Father God, that is a proclamation from your church here. It's a proclamation of your greatness, a proclamation of your goodness, Father. You are so good. And God, we can proclaim your goodness because we are blessed because of what happened on Calvary, the cross, Jesus' death and his resurrection, defeating the grave. God, you are so good because when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We honor you. We praise you. We just proclaim, God, your goodness this morning. Father, we ask for you to speak in this room. Speak in this room, Lord, as we get into your word this morning. We ask, Lord, that you would just uh, speak to every heart, every mind, every person here today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just quickly do some review of where we've been at. We're going to spend a long time. Remind me, we have three goals. What's goal number one? Love God. Goal two, love your neighbor. Goal three, love yourself, right? So we strive to love God with all of our heart, with all our mind, all our soul, and all of our strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we've laid out as the goal for life. No matter what you're doing in life, whether you are rich or whether you are poor, whether you are black or whether you are white, whether you come from another country, no matter what it is, that goal is a universal goal for all ages, all races, all economic statuses, wherever we're at. That goal is for all of us. We love God, we love our neighbor, and love ourselves. That is the foundation of living that Jesus has given to us. Now, what gets in the way of that? Life gets in the way, right? Sometimes it's marriage, sometimes it's money, sometimes it's health, sometimes it's uh, my basketball team that's not very good, UK. Um, so all kinds of stuff. Sorry. I, you know, i got to pick on them. I cheer them on too. And if they were winning, you know, I'll wear their jersey up here one day. Um, so we'll see if they can, see if they deserve the honor for the preacher wear UK on a Sunday morning. So... We, we, will, we will love your team. Sometimes life just gets away. So we have two choices of managing life. What is it? Choice number one is what? Yourself. Me, myself, and I. Whatever other people have taught me, whatever I've learned, I can manage life that way or I can manage life by what? The Holy Spirit putting God in the middle of life through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And so what we've been learning is saying that's how we want life to be managed. That's how we want to walk in life. In order to do that and learn how to do that, we've looked at this verse, 1 John 2, 6, that says the one who says or remains in him should walk just as he walked. If we want the Spirit to live inside of us and we want to live out those three goals for life, love God, love neighbor, and love ourselves, then we must learn to walk in this life as Jesus walked. We must learn to do what Jesus did. I like how 1 John 2, 6 in a New Living Translation says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So Jesus is our model. We hold up Jesus. Not our friend, not our husband, not our wife, not anybody else. We don't hold up anybody else and say, I'm following them. No, I'm looking at Jesus and looking at his life as my example of how I should live my life. So over the last few weeks, we've been then looking at, if I want to have that power, discover how to go deeper with God to do that, we've taken that word power, been breaking it down. P stands for learning to pray like Jesus prayed. 
And we went through several scriptures and wrestled with that, that Jesus was a man of prayer. But we saw he got up early in the morning. book of Mark tells us he got up early in the morning where he went off to what? A solitary place and prayed. And the premise and the idea is life gets busy. Life gets crazy. Jesus experienced that busy, crazy life. What do you hear from most times? You ask people, hey, how's life been going? Oh, I've been so busy. We all say it. And truth be told, we probably all are running very busy from the moment you get up until the moment you go to bed. And Jesus experienced what we experienced. And he knew if I'm going to have some prayer and I'm going to talk to my father, I must do that early in the morning. And he started his day that way. O stands for obeying like Jesus obeyed. We looked at the life of Christ and more specifically, when he was there in that garden, he was facing the cross a few days later and he prayed and said, Father, is there some other way? He was saying, Dad, I don't want to go to that cross. But what did he say? However, though, that be your will, I'll do it. It was a thing of submission. I will obey. I'll do what you want me to do. Even at times when it doesn't seem like that's what I want to do. He obeyed the Father. And then W stands for word-centered living, that Jesus was a man in the Scriptures. We learned last week that he studied the scriptures, he learned the scriptures, and see, most of the scriptures were written prior to Jesus. And so he had to learn the scriptures just as we learn the scriptures, and he learned them, and he said, I'm going to live a word-centered life, and I've come to fulfill the scriptures. Not to do away with them, but I have come to do what they have guided and what they have said is going to happen. And so he followed the scriptures. And so today, we dive into letter E, which stands for exalt God always. We exalt God always. I want us to look at the life of Jesus. And I want us to see some areas how this played out in his life. See, Jesus had this mindset about him that he always looking to God. He's always looking to his Father. And then what he did in his life, he didn't take ownership and say, man, look at me. Look what I accomplished. We're going to see that he said, look at what i done is because of what God has done. My Father has done through me. Turn your Bibles to the Gospel of John. We're going to look at several passages just trying to get a glimpse into the life of Jesus. Verses from that book this morning. Jesus establishes a principle to all who will follow him. He establishes a principle giving us a glimpse of his attitude in John chapter 3 and verse 21. He says, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Now the setting here that we're dealing with is Jesus is communicating with Nicodemus, and Nicodemus, because of his place in life, probably would have had an entourage around him, and he's proclaiming to Nicodemus, he says, by the truth of walking in life, it causes us to acknowledge that any good in our life is a result of God working through us. He's telling Nicodemus, listen, you, you come to Jesus, you, 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 you surrender your life to, to this call, and here is how you live your life. And then he powerfully states that the more you walk in the truth, the more we see plainly what he has done, has done has been done through God. And so Jesus, as he's teaching Nicodemus here, and those who would have been gathered around, he's like, listen, we live in the light because we want to reflect. We want to point people towards God. We see very similar thought in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 26, 12 says, all that we have accomplished, you have done 
for us. Jesus modeled this attitude of true humility. He often stated, stated that by himself he could do nothing. He was saying, listen, all this stuff that you see me doing, all the things I'm participating in, it's not me, it's my Father. It'd be like us saying, listen, I, I led the sales force last month. Look what I did. Or would I say, man, I led the sales force last month. Look what God did through me. Or be like saying, man, I'm teaching back here. My class is growing with all these teenagers. And man, look what I'm doing. Or man, this class is growing. Look what God is doing. Or be like the preacher saying, man, look at this church. Look how everything is taking off and all the great stuff. Man, I'm really good. Or man, look what God is doing through us. Like how Brianna brought that up this morning and said, look what God is doing through us, church. We give him the glory. We give him the honor. We exalt him. We reflect him in our lives. That's what Jesus was doing. It's a clear biblical picture of biblical humility. A picture of what it means to walk as Jesus walked in full humility. Humility. We are called to, to a lifestyle of dependence upon God. We're called to be a vessel through whom God flows through us. Living as Jesus lived means that we're always going to only acknowledge the Father as the source of all. And we look, and as people see our lives, they know because we, we proclaim it, and we live it, and we show them, say, hey, what's happened to me is because God's providing because God has done this. There's an alternative that Jesus speaks to of living in this light. Look at verses 19 and 20 of chapter 3. He says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. You see the alternative? What is it? To live in what? In darkness. Jesus, Jesus is basically telling Nicodemus and the entourage, you have a choice. You can live in me, you live in my Father's presence, you live in a light, or you can live over here and you can live in darkness. It's a choice that we make. It's like sand in a wheel of life we've been talking about. I live within myself, me, myself, and I, or I'm going to live over here in the Spirit. We have a choice which way to do that. And Jesus says, you have a choice. There's an alternative. You can embrace evil. You can embrace sin. You can welcome it into your home and into your family. Say, that's why I want to live. And that's why many people didn't go into hiding. Because we want to hide from sin. We want to hide because we're in the darkness. Or you put Christ in the middle. Jesus is saying, there's a choice. Light or darkness. Now, I will assume for this morning that you in this room here tells me that you have a heart that says, I want to live in light. I would think if you want to live in darkness, you'd be like, I'm not darkening the doors of church. There's no way, man, I'm staying away from it. So I think that's a fair assumption that all of us in this room say, I want to choose to live in light. We don't want darkness in our lives. So let's dig a little bit more deeper into the life of Jesus and see how he handled this idea of living in a light. Jesus makes it very clear that, that walking in light causes us to plainly see that whatever good we do is done because of the work that God is doing inside of us. Jesus lived with this awareness. He exalted the Father at, at all times, the source of everything. He acknowledged that, that the Father is the source of all good. I want you to see this principle. I want you to catch this idea that everything Jesus did, everything Jesus said came from God, and he gives God the credit, constantly reflecting, it's not me, it's him, it's not me, it's him, it's not me, it's him, pointing to what God's work is doing inside him. Look at John 17, 7. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. 
Now, let me put that within context, okay? Jesus, this is near the end of his life. This is one of his great prayers in John 17. And he's praying for his disciples, and he's saying, God, Father, now they understand. They understand that everything you have given me comes directly from you. He didn't say, Father, I'm so glad I gave them some and you gave them some. He didn't say, Dad, now you did some good things and I did some good things. He didn't say, this is a great partnership. He didn't say anything like that. His prayer was, they know that, what, everything. Not a few things, not some things, not just, just, just a few ideas. Everything that they know came from you. What was he doing in that? He was exalting the Father. It's not me, it's, it's him. It's not me. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry in John 3, verse 21, that we just looked at, and again here at the end of his ministry in John 17, 7, Jesus made it clear that we're to be clean vessels from whom through God can work. We do that by living in light. This means we recognize that God is a source of all good things. We understand that God uses men and women as the vehicles for his message and for his service. You understand that? God doesn't have another plan. There's not another plan like he said, okay, now down the road I'm going to send down these big old ships and, and they're going to come and turn the world around. His plan was that his message comes to this earth through mankind, through Jesus. We pick that message up and we carry that message and so he wants us to be the vehicle that points people to Christ by the way that we exalt our lives and say it's God. And we live our lives and we exalt him. John 17, 4, Jesus said, I have brought you glory. He's talking to God. I brought you glory. I brought you honor. I exalt you. It's a lifestyle of exalting the Father, a lifestyle of honest humility. I want you to see clearly this lifestyle of exalting the Father in everything. Look at John 5, 19. Jesus gave them this answer. Verily, truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Now, this is when the Jews were coming after Jesus for performing God's miracles on the Sabbath, and they were going to crucify him basically because he's breaking the laws, and he lets them know that his strength and his wisdom comes from God. But look at the text. He says, Verily, truly, I tell you, the Son can do what? Nothing. Now, what's our mindset typically of Jesus? Well, Jesus, yeah, he was without sin because he's God. He, he had a cape on. He had this super great power because he's God. And because he's God and Jesus, I mean, they're all one, right? Yeah, they are. The Trinity, they're one. But God made a choice to come down out of heaven and to be on this earth as a man. And this is talking about when Jesus was living in his humanity as a man. He's like, I couldn't do nothing by myself. A total reliance and dependence upon the Father's work inside of his life. He said, I didn't do anything by myself. It's what God was doing inside of me. And he says, that's where my strength, that's where my wisdom came from. Look at John 5.30. By myself I can do, there's that word again, what is it? By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself but him who sent me. Same setting. Jews persecuting Jesus, I do nothing without my Father. In other words, he's saying, I am powerless without God. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like without God doing what happens in my life, I am without power? He says, I'm powerless without my Father. 
exalts God. He's again, he's deflecting or reflecting. God is doing this inside me. Look at John 8, 28. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you'll know that I am He and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. So He says, I do nothing. And then He says what? What comes out of my mouth is what the Father has taught me. Again, dealing with the Jews and the Pharisees, they don't understand Jesus, who He is, what He's doing. And who does Jesus point to? He says, my father. I speak what my father has taught me. I do nothing of my own, but I talk to my father. So I have to ask the question and look at that and go, how does he know exactly what to say? Did God just download into him this hard drive that he would know in every single situation? Say this, say this, say this, say that, like he's a computer? I would think not. I would think we look back to Mark and we see Jesus very early in the morning got up and did what? Started his day in prayer. I think we look at how Jesus studied the scriptures. And see, when, when you start your day in prayer, then there's a better chance that throughout the day you'll be a person of prayer. And so I imagine Jesus starts his days in prayer and he's interacting with people. What do I say to this lady? What do I say to this child? What do I say to this dad? What do I do in this situation, that situation? He's listening in a continual, ongoing relationship, like Paul says, to pray continually. So he knows, I do this here, I do that there, I say this here. Because he's hearing from the Father, what do I say and when do I say? And so he says, I don't do anything. I don't even speak without my Father teaching me of what to say. Here's another situation with the Jews. This time, though, they have stones in their hands. Not little pebbles, big old stones, and they're ready to stone Jesus in their hands. And in John 10, 32, Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father, for which of these do you stone me? Now, you can read into that, and you can think, Jesus is like, okay, they're ready to stone me. Okay, it's not my fault, it's his fault. It's his fault, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. You can almost read into that, but that's not what's going on here. Jesus is pointing to the fact that they need God. They need the Father. And he's like, listen, what I'm doing, I'm just receiving my marching orders from my Father God. These miracles, they weren't me. They were my Father. The good work you've seen me done, it wasn't me, it was my father. And he continually exalted God, even to the point when he's facing death because they're standing before him with stones ready to stone him. He's like, what I've done is because my father has directed me to do. And he exalts the father. John 12, for I did not speak, there is again, for I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Again, who's talking? Who is he talking with? The Jews. They still don't believe. And he says, I only speak what the Father told me to say. He's saying, I'm doing what the Father told me to do. I'm saying what the Father told me to say. I'm seeking his wisdom. That's what I'm doing. And he keeps going back to exalting the Father, exalting the Father. John 15 says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. The group of people in this text has changed now. It's a conversation between Jesus and his disciples. And he says, we're friends. We're friends. What I learned from my Father, I gave it to you. And now that you have it, we're friends. It's an amazing thought when you just stop and ponder and think on the fact that Jesus 
is known as a friend of sinners. Jesus is known as a friend of sinners. He would be willing to hang out with anybody and everybody, no matter where they're at in relationship to his father. He still was their friend. And in that conversation with his disciples, who they were a bunch of unschooled, ordinary men, a bunch of challenges within their own lives, Jesus hangs out with them. He teaches them and teaches them and pours his life into them for three plus years, teaching and saying, you're going to take this on. You're going to become the disciples. You're going to do this. You're going to carry this message to the world. And what does he say to them? He says, we're we're friends. Because I've taught you what my father wanted me to teach. Every aspect of Jesus' life. Every single aspect. As you go through the Gospels, you look at what Jesus did. Jesus pointed back and said, it wasn't me, it was God. My strength, not me, came from my Father. My wisdom, not me, came from my Father. My power, not me, came from my Father. Everything I do, not me, it came from my Father. My miracles, it wasn't me, it was my Father. My speech, my sermons, not me, it was my Father. My learning, it wasn't me, it was my Father. Everything came from him. And I can do nothing without him and continually look to exalt the Father. And so I ask you, church, when you look at your life, do you see that you are a vessel to point people to God? How'd you you do that work? How'd you accomplish that goal? Man, God's just doing a great work inside of me. How did your marriage, how did you get through that, that rough point in your marriage? Or how did you stay married for 20 years or 30 years or 50 years? God is doing inside of us. How how are you loving that person at work that everyone else just wants to kill? How can you be nice to that person? Well, God's doing that inside me, giving me a heart of love. How how are you handling your kids when your kids are just driving you nuts and crazy and you still love them and put up with all their junk and everything they're taking you through? God God has given me that heart of love. I'm doing it only because of God. There's no other way for me to do it. How did you make it through that sickness going on in your life? And every time I saw you, you still had joy amongst you, and you still just just felt like there was a peace whenever I was around you, even though you are going through that terrible sickness. It it wasn't me. It was God just doing it in me. How did you handle losing your spouse? How did that happen? And when every time I was around you, you still had this peace and contempt. I knew it was hard for you, but boy, there was such a joy about you in the middle of that journey. How did you do that? It wasn't me. it It was God. How do you teach? How do you preach? How do you lead worship? How do you serve? It's not me, it's God. Everything that we do is from Him. Everything. And if we walk closely with Him, and we develop that deep prayer life, and we develop that heart of obedience, and we develop that that life of being in the Word, we will see more and more things happen in our life because the more we live in the light, the more we're going to see the light, and we'll experience the light, and the light will shine right on through us, and we'll go, man, God, you're doing all kinds of cool stuff. It's an act of humility. Every aspect of Jesus' life exalted the Father. Now, many would call this living a lifestyle a biblical worship. Biblical worship, where everything I do exalts the Father. But what do we think in our American culture, what do we think about when we say the word worship? We think about what? Music and singing. And what we do on Sundays. But worship is so much larger that biblical worship is always and only exalting the Lord as the source of everything. That's biblical 
worship. If we're going to walk as Jesus walked, we must look to God as the source for everything for life. And then we exalt Him and say, God's doing it through me. I'm just a vessel. 